Ready to break free from algorithms, vanity PR, and money-sucking ads? My name's Larissa Worstiak, and I've learned in seven years of jewelry marketing that content is the crown jewel. My agency, Joy Joya, takes a holistic approach, leading with laser-focused storytelling, impactful content creation, and strategic content distribution. This method has worked for the solopreneur as well as the multi-million dollar company. And now I'm sharing the same systems and tactics with you. Here's to standing out in the sea of sparkle. Welcome to episode 264. Today, we're diving into the importance of storytelling in your jewelry collections and products. So I often encounter jewelry entrepreneurs who create products because an idea struck them. Maybe they want to make something pretty. Maybe they had a specific gemstone that they needed to utilize, or they identified an opportunity in the market. But None of those things inherently create a compelling story. They lack the depth and dimension necessary to elevate a product beyond it being a mere commodity. We got to remember that jewelry, as desirable as it is, it is not a necessity like food and water, but it's easy to fall into the trap of believing that your jewelry will automatically attract attention. A piece of jewelry becomes infinitely more appealing when it's accompanied by a story that resonates with the customer on a deeper level. So unearthing and sharing these stories can sometimes be challenging, but that's exactly what we'll be exploring in today's episode. And we'll be looking at this through the lens of Hillary Fink Jewelry, who we've been spotlighting as a jewelry brand case study. And if you're joining this podcast series for the first time this season, I'd suggest starting with episode 252. That way you can meet Hillary and follow this narrative from the beginning. But before we dive into our chat with Hillary, I wanna delve into the importance of merging your brand with a story or a narrative. I'll explore the methods you can use to pull out that compelling story from your product or collection, and most importantly, how to articulate and amplify that story to make it clear and resonant for your audience. But before we get to the solid gold, I'd like to take a moment to remind you that this podcast has both audio and video, so you can either listen on your favorite podcast platform or watch on YouTube by joy, by searching Joy Joya. You can always support the podcast for free by taking the time not only to subscribe, but also to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Okay, let's get into today's episode, my sparklers. This one's all about teasing out a story about your jewelry when no obvious one exists. So, Some jewelry brands, they seamlessly weave storytelling into their products. It seems effortless for them. With every new piece they release, there's an obvious story. One brand that comes to mind is Nora Sermez, who crafts dreamy and whimsical jewelry in 14-karat and 18-karat gold. Each piece is imbued with a strong story and a distinct identity, making them feel truly special 
even if they're not necessarily one of a kind. So as an example on Nora's website, there's a product called Artifact 12 Onyx Lullaby Baby. It's listed as a bestseller since 2021, and the description reads, quote, looking out the bedroom window to adore the moon and the stars, imagining what the future will hold as the midnight sky sings its final lullaby, close your eyes and fall asleep, quietly moving from this earth and into your fantasy of dreams. This ring is not just a piece of jewelry. It's a work of art inspired by the mysteries of the nighttime sky and by the dream world. And Nora does such a good job like intertwining that story into the piece. I also recently listened to an episode of the podcast, How I Built This. And if you're not familiar with it, it delves into the stories of entrepreneurs and businesses. And this one particular episode that I listened to was with the founders of Sir Kensington's, which is a condiment brand. And they shared their journey of entering the market with the ambitious goal of revolutionizing ketchup and taking on the industry giant Heinz, who dominates the ketchup market. So determined to reimagine ketchup, these founders, they wanted their product to stand out from the plethora of not just Heinz, but also all the the copycat Heinz variations lining store shelves. I know I'm talking about ketchup here, but I think a lot of jewelry brands can relate to this because the market is so saturated while also being dominated by big name prestige brands. So in pursuit of this goal, these founders not only developed a unique ketchup formula, conceived of unique packaging, but they also found a way to incorporate really strong storytelling into the brand. Yes, for ketchup, they had storytelling. So that was when this character named Sir Kensington was born. They described him as a sophisticated elderly English gentleman who embodies this American perception that British people are luxurious and <laughs> and interesting. And this totally fictional story of Sir Kensington became the backbone and ethos of the brand, which helped set it apart in this crowded market. And that made me feel inspired to talk about storytelling, which if you've listened to this podcast for a while, you know I've covered at length, but I think it continues to be a pain point and always will be a challenge for jewelry entrepreneurs. You are all so creative, but yet sometimes telling stories about your own products feels like an impossible task. So let's talk about the importance of mixing brand with narrative or storytelling. Again, I've covered this before, but I think that it needs to be said again and again. In this industry, there are so many reasons why storytelling is important. One, differentiation. You know or maybe you don't know, the jewelry market is super saturated. So many products may appear similar, especially at first glance, if a customer is just starting their shopping journey. So if you have a unique narrative, that can help your brand stand out from competitors. 
Two, emotional connection. Jewelry is often purchased for significant life events or as gifts or self-gifts. So if you have a compelling story that can resonate with customers on an emotional level and make the product feel more personalized and meaningful. Three, brand identity. So having a story can like reinforce your brand identity. It can shout your values and your ethos from the rooftops and it helps simplify it for the customer so they immediately know what your brand stands for and what makes it unique. Number four, customer engagement. Stories are more memorable than facts or features. So if you have a, a compelling story that can engage your customers, people will remember your brand and it will make customers more loyal to you. And then lastly, enhanced value perception. So a story can really add value to a piece of jewelry by providing context and meaning. And in an industry where there's often premium pricing and things like the cost of gold and materials are always going up, meaning the cost of goods is always going up. It helps enhance the perceived value of your products. Sounds great, right? So what is the big problem then? The problem is that a lot of jewelry brands, they don't have an obvious story or the truth of the brand is not interesting or emotional. So you almost have to like tease it out or even embellish or create a story. So if you do have a natural inclination as a brand towards storytelling, maybe for example, you value the spiritual meanings of gemstones and their metaphysical properties you kind of have a built-in way to make stories about your products. If you personally, as the maker, have a very strong connection to your designs, like let's say one of your designs was inspired by a significant life event or personal achievement, and you feel comfortable sharing that, then that's also a natural narrative. And you don't really have to work hard to pull out a story. But most brands don't have these built-in stories. So how do you extract this from your brand? First of all, you really, 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 I say this all the time, but you really need to understand your customers' values and concerns to ensure that whatever story, whatever message you're telling or you decide to tell aligns with something that matters to the customer and that will be will resonate with them. So for example, if your customers really love nostalgia, if they love a vintage aesthetic, then that's a story that you can tell related to your designs. Maybe you talk about the historical inspiration behind your jewelry pieces, the historical figures who your pieces are na named after and why. It really just depends what your customers are going to connect with. Two, you can pay attention to the language that your customers use when they're talking about your jewelry and use that language in your own communication. So incorporate similar phrasing, kind of take on 
your customer's perception of your story and adapt it as your own. Number three, think about some really compelling autobiographies. Or if you don't read autobiographies, maybe you've seen like movies about interesting people. If you are the face of your brand, think about how you can create a narrative for your brand that goes beyond your standard like cover letter for a job. Because that's what I see on so many jewelry designers' websites. It literally reads like a job application. Very far from the most interesting autobiography you could read or even an interesting character in a novel. So start to think outside of the box of your story being a job application. Nobody wants that. We're not shopping jewelry because we want a job in HR and we're hiring you for all your skills and experience. No, let's move away from that. Number four, think about maybe creating a fictional character or story that represents your brand, similar to the example I shared earlier about the Sir Kensington mascot. This is definitely going to be challenging if you've already established a brand, but I think there are always ways to add depth to your brand story, even if you're established. So this is not about deceiving your customers. I'm not suggesting you should lie, but it's about creating a metaphor that can better communicate and embody your brand values. And then lastly, if we're talking about figures of speech, you can embellish upon the truth or add more depth to it. Reality is usually really boring because we're all living it. Think about poets. They don't always, well, they rarely write the truth as it happened. You know, they're not like a, a court reporter or something or even a reporter for a newspaper. They're using figures of speech to take the truth of the story and to make it more emotionally impactful by embellishing on it or using language in an interesting way. I'm sure you're all familiar with the Robert Frost poem, The Road Not Taken, where there's two roads diverging in a wood and he wants to take the one less traveled by. That poem would not nearly be as powerful or as famous if Frost just sat down and wrote, I had to choose between two paths in a forest and pick the less, po less popular one, which significantly affected my life. No, he did not go. <laughs> he did not go with that option. Instead, he add la adds layers of meaning to his poem so that we, as the consumer of the poem, have time to really pause and think and reflect and connect to his sentiment, connect his sentiments to our own lives. So maybe think about how you can take a seemingly boring story if it's told one way and make it more interesting, inspiring, with layers of meaning and emotion. Okay, so how then do you share and amplify the story once you have nailed it down. I think this is, if not as important, maybe more important than the story itself. 
So how can you ensure that your narrative reaches the right audience? I mean, some of the obvious things, use social media. That's a great way to share your brand story through visually appealing images, engaging captions, video content, all ways to kind of tackle your story from different directions. Content marketing. So you can leverage content on your website or blog to share your story in more depth. Even through customer testimonials and feedback, you can also share your story from like a different direction or viewpoint. Email marketing is an excellent way to share your story with your subscribers. You can personalize your emails to make them even more relatable and engaging. Collaborations, so partnering with brand ambassadors, influencers, other brands that also align with your values to help you amplify your story, share your narrative, and reach a new audience. Also, your packaging and branding materials. Is your packaging really doing the work of telling your story so that when someone opens a box with your jewelry, are they not only seeing your product, but also feeling, absorbing, digesting your story. So that could be maybe like a small card or a QR code that leads them to a web page with more information. This is a space where you can really get creative with your storytelling. But remember, overall, consistency is going to be key. So make sure your story is consistent across all platforms and touch points to create that cohesive brand image. I feel like I share this information a lot, but it really is the most important thing about successfully marketing a jewelry brand. And at the same time, it's one of the hardest aspects of building a jewelry brand and not many are able to achieve it. Coming up in a few moments in our chat with Hillary, we'll be talking with her about her captured collection and the stories that she tells about that collection, as well as some ideas for more stories she could be telling and sharing with her customers. Hey, Hillary, how are you doing today? Hi, Larissa. I'm doing great. Good to see you. Good. Nice to see you also. So I want to talk about your captured collection, which I think is pretty much your most popular collection with your customers. So I want to share with our podcast audience, what do you think makes it special and what does it mean to you? Well, as far as I know, there's no one that sets stones that way with just having the stones held in place with the crossbar with the little balled up ends. And so I think, you know, that alone has some significance in terms of people know that when they get a piece from my captured collection, no one else is going to have a piece like that. And um, what it allows for is, you know, people love one of a kind. People want something that's really special and particular to them and their tastes. And then what it also does is it allows me to like really have fun with gemstones. So um, I love finding really unique and interesting gemstones and that setting, the unique setting and then finding a unique stone like together, they, it really complements each other and creates a piece that no one else will have. 
Yeah. And that's so, I think that's so attractive to, especially the collectors of your jewelry. I mean, what a story Mm -hmm. to be able to tell people about the piece and it's all about the Mm -hmm. gemstone and where the gemstone came from. And if there is like a unique story, you literally just Mm -hmm. shared a story with me about a jade uh, piece that you had that I thought was really cool. Yeah. That jade um, that's in this latest collection that I just put out today. Um, it was offered to me by some of my um, gem dealers in Rhode Island. And they have a friend who's a Russian gem dealer and they keep a lot of his stones for him in the United States. So when he comes to do shows, he just has his gems here. And so when, um, so it's a piece of Siberian nephrite, I don't actually know how to say that word, Jade. And um, it's a gorgeous oval. It's like a nice big oval. And um, when Russia invaded Ukraine, you know, last year, two years ago, however long it's been now, my goodness. Um, he lives in Russia with his family and he, you know, got really upset. and was like, I'm going to have to leave the country because I don't like what's going on. And he didn't feel safe, but he was afraid that if he left the country, his accounts would be locked and he wouldn't be able to access his money. So he contacted his friends in Rhode Island, people that I get my gems from. And he said, Hey, please open up my vault and start selling my best stones so that if when I leave Russia, you guys can wire money to me and I'll have, you know, some money to get started on again. And so I was in contact with them looking for some Jade Cabotons for studs. And they were like, yeah, we have those, but we also have this amazing Jade. And they showed it to me and I was like, I have to have it. Um, it's just totally gorgeous. So yeah. And I told someone that story today. She was curious about the piece. And then I relayed that story to her and she, she loved that story. and She bought the piece. So, ah, I mean, that's the thing about jewelry. It tells a story. Absolutely. I think that's so interesting. And <laughs> it's a shame it's sometimes hard to like say all of that on a product page. But if you can have an actual conversation with your customers and they are interested, there's such an opportunity to like tell these stories in more depth. Yeah, I didn't put that story on the product page. I was like, that's just too much. But I'm so <laughs> yeah. glad she asked because I wanted to tell someone that story, you know? Yeah, definitely. So I also talking about stories, I really liked uh, you had shared with me like the origin story behind Captured. I would love for you to kind of tell that and how it started back in the early 2000s. Sure. Um, I remember exactly. So I was on Muir Beach up in Marin County and um, they have these really cool, really beautiful like black spiral shells with a little bit of mother of pearl and then like orange at the like center of the tip of the spiral. And they're just, they're, to me, they were just stunning. And I was collecting a few of them and um, I was like, God, I just want to put these in some jewelry, you know? And then you find like beach stones and just other things that wash up on the beach. It's just like, they're just so pretty, but you know, they're usually beach stones, not so much, but a lot of seashells are just kind of like odd shapes. Right. And they're kind of big and bulky. You're like, well, how did, how would I put this in jewelry? And so I just had this idea, like, well, I'll just kind of put it in like a box-ish thing. And I didn't want to do prong settings because that just seemed, ah, I don't know. And so I was like, well, I'll just like put a crossbar (laughs) across the front and put a crossbar across the back. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool, actually. And so I made a lot of the jewelry at first was just with seashells and then some beach stones, but mostly with seashells. And um, every piece I made has 
was sold pretty quickly. And then I lived in Connecticut for a while um, in the early 2000s also and would find beach stones and seashells on the beaches there. And then I started selling in this gallery there. And then people were like, oh, I have this seashell. And so I was doing kind of custom work with other people's shells. And um, so, yeah, then when I restarted my business in 2018, I was just doing like hand hammered and plique jour. And then like a year later, I was like, oh, right. I used to do that captured stuff yeah. with seashells. And I was like, oh, I should do that again. Then I was like, oh, I bet that would look really nice with gemstones. And so I was like, oh, yeah, let me see how it is with gemstones. And I was like, oh, wow, gemstones are really fun. Like, so I had never really used gemstones before. So, yeah, it took a while to get where I am. But that's the story. Yeah, I think that's very interesting. And I would love to find other ways to kind of share that with clients, too. It's it's Mm -hmm. so hard to, like, convey all of that you know, when they're mm-hmm. just looking at a picture of the piece and they don't really understand like where it came from in the origin and the evolution. So it would be cool to like look for more ways to, to share that. Well, I think the blog post that you guys were working on is a great way. And um, I'm excited for this next newsletter to come out that's about captured because I think people will, a lot of people don't know, you know. Um, and I actually started sourcing some seashells again and plan on doing a little, maybe a little mini collection with them next year. Um, so we'll see. I, yeah, I found this behind the scenes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I sourced some from this place that sells a bunch of, you know, just interesting seashells. They're over in, gosh, where was this place? Philippines or something like that. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, so I got some in the mail and they're pretty cool. Um, it's hard to really understand the size and what you're going to be getting, but there's some, there's some good ones in there. So, yeah. So the thing that is interesting to me about Captured, even just like what the name kind of represents is this symbolism of something literally being captured or held or like captivated, I guess. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering how much you personally like intended to put that in there or if I'm just like reading into it or how much do your clients like connect with that? It was never an intent at the beginning of it to, for it to be, to be like something that could be a story, right? It was more like, what am I going to call this thing that I do? And it just mm-hmm. captured just seemed to work. And in a way with beach stones and seashells, especially I mean, I think it really evokes something where you're like, oh, I've captured this seashell. Like it belongs in the ocean or on the beach. And now oh, I've captured it in this piece and it, you're going to wear it around your neck. Um, I think there's a huge opportunity there for storytelling. And storytelling is not necessarily my skill. So I should, you know, I think it's an amazing opportunity for more marketing around that. Um so maybe that's something we can <laughs> work on. But um, I, I do think it evokes something in my clients. I think um, I know that a lot of my clients have said that they feel like the jewelry is protected. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure there's something that that can be done there that I'm not doing. Yeah. And there's the idea, too, of like someone like capturing your heart or something like that. So there could mm-hmm. be like a love element in like gifting it, perhaps. Definitely. Yeah. I think there's a huge opportunity for Valentine's Day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Which I, yeah, which I haven't really pushed that at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so that would be really fun. 
So do you find that this collection, when you kind of started leaning into it more, did it evolve your brand as a whole or did it kind of not really contribute to that at all? It changed everything. Okay. (laughs) I mean, yeah, that is when my business really took off was when I started making these captured pieces. And I think that's the, I just feel so fortunate because, you know, everyone is always like, find your niche, find something that sets you apart. And this was just something that was kind of accidental. You know, it's not like um, I was like, hmm, let me think of this thing to do that is no one else is doing. I mean, I think that's what happens with artists and designers. We just want to make things. And I don't necessarily think we're like sitting there thinking, I must do something that's different. Um, It just, you know, we're artists. This is just what we do. Um, But I, yeah, it's just been really great ever since I started, you know, working with the gemstones and people love color. People love gemstones. And so, um, and people love one of a kind. So it's been, it's been great. I'm, I couldn't be happier about it. Do you have ideas for ways you want to kind of market it differently, but maybe you're not sure how to approach it or something you've been wanting to do, but maybe you don't have time to do? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah. I mean, I think that there, like the wordplay could be used a little bit more in marketing things on my website, maybe in, you know, some of the banner images, um, you know, definitely with emails, you know, kind of using that wordplay a little bit more. I think I tend to get a little bit weary of things that sound a little too precious or a little too special. So I think that's probably why I've shied away from it. Um, like it's like being almost a little too intentional with mm-hmm. creating that connection. But in a way, I mean, isn't that what marketing and, you know, copy is about is creating those connections with words. So it's just, I think it's something that, you know, since I'm not a, brand expert or a marketing expert, it's, it hasn't necessarily felt comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. I can um, see, I can see that though. I, on a personal level, I really like subtlety too, but mm -hmm. I think if you're thinking about most people, they are not thinking so abstractly. They literally need you to like, tell them what's up and like (laughs) what this means and what does it mean to them? And so being a little bit more, obvious and over is is nice for a lot of people I think yeah I think so too <laughs> so how do you see this collection evolving moving forward do you have other ideas or visions for it I'd like to start using some more faceted stones because um, I've done that with custom work when people ha- you know they have like a family some family jewelry or just some loose stones and some of them have been faceted and it's like, oh, okay, wait, how am I going to do this? Cause you know, the back is pointy. Um, and so I've created, I've kind of adapted my captured style to fit, you know, whatever shape or size the facet stone is. And um, I haven't just bought faceted stones though. I just, I love cabs and rose cuts so much. Um, but I would like to, I had planned on putting out like a really small, like five piece luxury holiday collection that was just going to be faceted stones, but it just didn't really come into fruition. So I'll do something like that next year. Um, so yeah, more faceted stones. And I like, um, when I'm able to kind of put more than one stone together in a piece, um, So I've been thinking about how I can source stones differently 
little bit more intentionally in terms of like, oh, these two would look good together. Or if I can start working with some gen cutters to get stones cut a certain way for me, you know, like, oh, I want these three colors, these three stones, you know, fit this way and have some shapes and things cut like that. Um, Hmm. And then I I was going to try to make multi-gem. That's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. People love them and they're really fun to make too. Mm Mm-hmm. And then I tried to make a wooden bangle. I don't know. I was going to set that beautiful jade that I got into this, like, I had this, like, it's still in my head. I'm like, oh, I just have this idea for this gorgeous wooden bangle. And I'll set the jade in that with, like, my captured setting. And so I <laughs> I tried so I tried carving a wooden bangle um, out of acacia, which is really, really hard wood. And um, I just did not have the right tools for it. And it was, it just took me... <laughs> It took me all day and it looked just absolutely terrible. So um, (laughs) I was like, okay, I'm not a woodworker. Um, So I don't know. I've been thinking like maybe that's something that I work with someone else on is getting someone to carve um, shapes for me because they have the right tools and they know what they're doing. Yeah. So that's that's in the back of my head. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I like that idea. Definitely something to look forward to. Yeah, I have a lot of ideas. It's just I don't always have the the, the time to develop them. Sure. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. Well, it was really cool to learn more about Captured. And I know everyone listening and watching will be excited to see what's to come. Oh, yeah. Thanks. I I get excited about it, too, because sometimes I don't know what's going to come either. <laughs> yeah. Thanks, Hillary. All right. Thanks, Larissa. What did you think about the interview? Are you excited to continue following Hillary on this journey? I highly encourage you to check out Hillary's website, hillaryfink.com, and follow her on Instagram at hillaryfinkjewelry, and I'll put those links in the show notes as well. Let me know in a podcast review or YouTube comment what you think. Okay, let's get into the gold mine. So this is a segment where I get personal and share insights on entrepreneurship, mindset, success, growth, all things business. And in this week's gold mine, I want to talk about a seemingly unrelated topic, dentists. Okay, stay with me here. I promise you this is relevant. So think about it. You would not attempt to manage your own dental health. You would not perform deep cleanings on yourself. You would not fill your own cavities. At least I hope so, right? I think even dentists themselves rely on other dentists for their dental care because it's really hard to effectively see inside your own mouth. Well, in many aspects of your life, just like you trust dentists, you trust other professionals to help you maintain your health, keep your house running smoothly, keep your car running smoothly, whatever it is that you need help with. But when it comes to your business, I've noticed that a lot of you think you should handle every single function on your own. I get it. There are budget constraints. There are other limitations that often lead business owners to believe they cannot afford support. And so that's one reason why they do 
all the things or they try to do all the things. But in today's world, there are so many solutions available. They range from consultants and groups to virtual assistants and freelance experts on platforms like Upwork and Fiverr. And it's always surprising to me how few jewelry entrepreneurs are at least trying to utilize all the valuable resources. And again, choosing to tackle everything themselves because maybe it's annoying to like try to engage another person. I get it. There's a cost issue there. But again, there are budget-friendly options. And I want you to remember that marketing, just like any other business function, is complex and it's always evolving. Actually, marketing probably evolves more quickly than any other aspect of managing a business. I've been in the marketing field for nearly 15 years and I constantly have to adapt to changes in the landscape. The marketing world of 2010 is vastly different from that of 2023. So even if you as a business owner understand what marketing is, Theoretically, that piece where you have to stay up to date with current trends and strategies and best practices and tools and technology, all of that is a job in itself. And really, you should not have to divert your focus from other areas of your business where you could be making a more significant impact. I think marketing may not be viewed with the same level of respect as professions like dentistry, (laughs) because I didn't have to go to medical school. But that doesn't make it any less crucial, especially for a business owner. And you as a business owner should not feel any shame in admitting you don't know everything there is to know about marketing the same way you would not feel ashamed that you don't know how to fill a cavity. So in a business, acknowledging your blind spots and recognizing that you're not an expert in all the things will ultimately take you further than trying to tackle everything on your own and thinking that you can manage that. And as we approach 2024, I encourage you to consider seeking that outside perspective. Just like with dental care, Even if you're doing everything right, you're flossing daily, you're brushing your teeth, you're avoiding food and drinks that can harm your teeth, you still cannot see beneath the surface or in the back of your mouth. And the same applies to marketing. You don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you need to leave certain tasks to people who literally spend (laughs) their living and breathing time on this planet studying these things. And that way it frees you up to focus on what you do best while you're also able to maintain consistency and commitment to your business and not get burned out, not get frustrated, not get pulled in a million different directions and doing all the things not well because you are doing all the things. So what did you think about that? Let me know in an Instagram DM podcast review or YouTube comment. Did you have any questions about today's episode? You can always email me Larissa. That's L-A-R-Y-S-S-A at joyjoya.com. If you love this podcast, 
please share it with a friend who'd appreciate it. And don't forget to subscribe as well as leave a review on Apple Podcasts. If you're completely new to digital marketing, then you'll want to purchase and read a copy of my book, Jewelry Marketing Joy. Visit joyjoya.com book for more information.